Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in on Monday, Hale Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you had a good weekend, man. We were a little bit south of Papillion, a little bit east of Gretna, and out in Platteview. Not Platt Smith, Platteview. And it was a view, man. It was kind of a, a three-tiered outfield with rocks, and that's where all the parents distanced from one another and juniors team got the old state i shouldn't say state got the old tournament victory 4-0 man and the umpiring was was almost up to the to the level of elijah (laughs) well thank you i i personally spent this weekend on my couch but i was going to ask you that outfield that you're in was it one of those weird outfields that doesn't actually have a fence no it it had a fence Uh, because we had two of our kids hit them out okay because those fields are the fun ones the ones that don't have a fence and you have to use like (laughs) The, the natural bears that are there, like, oh, that, that tree out there. If it goes past the tree, no, we're going to call dead ball. No, we, uh, <laughs> we lost it. It's yeah. not, oh, it's right there. Um, no, Those are the fun fields for sure. Unless you're in the outfield. <laughs> or or you, you're the, uh, the, the fourth grader that is over 100 and a quarter, and you're trying to run. You can hit it far, but eventually they'll run the ball down and – well, that's what you got to look at who's uh, who's running before you call dead ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do I give up the double here? Or do I think I can gun him down at second? <laughs> Does he make it to second? So no, it was good. And this this setup was you had the fields kind of in a flat area, clearly, but you had to kind of drive down a, a little steep embankment, and yeah, it was it was a nice setup. It was good. And, and junior one, the, the Coors was cold, is, mm. is the other good thing. So we'll get into some football thoughts. Uh, Going to have a chat with uh, author David Smale coming up. He's a historian. He's uh, into sports, and he is all over Kansas City football. He has a new book out on the Kansas City Chiefs, Keys to the Kingdom. So we'll talk a little Chiefs football with David Smale coming up in about 15 minutes. It's a Monday, which means it is time to chat with Mr. Blackshirt himself. Charlie McBride will be with us. We'll get into some thoughts on Nebraska, this COVID waiting game, and uh, just where Nebraska's defense can go. And then we'll talk some more offensive line. Friend of the show, uh, love hearing him, uh, Matt Verzel is going to be with us. We'll sit down with uh, Matt Verzel. Uh, longtime offensive lineman, high school coach. Uh, he will be with us in about an hour. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal and email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Also, uh, follow on Twitter, not only uh, me and Elijah, but follow ESPN Lincoln and Hale Varsity for all the updates you need. So let's start off before we get into Cam Newton and New England and that deal that kind of broke out last night, early this morning. I have plenty of thoughts on that. Also want to react here a bit to to Bill Moose's sit down with the Lincoln Journal star on a bunch of different topics. Uh, The topic of football. There's a waiting game that, that is very realistic. 
the topic of six wins, that expectation if you're Nebraska, and the, the comments about judging Coach Frost in year five versus year three. And lump me in to the, the group that said he can have Nebraska up and running and winning at a high level by year three. That still can happen. We'll see how much football is played. And right now, if, if you listen to, to folks around the Big Ten and around college football, Dennis Dodd's article has freaked out a lot of people that have a lot of mahogany desks they sit behind, i.e. athletic directors, i.e. school presidents. And that's okay. That's okay to be freaked out if South Dakota State does not have money and South Dakota State is not testing. It's not okay to travel to Lincoln having no tests done. It's not okay for Nebraska to play South Dakota State, pay South Dakota State to come here and and get the team sick with COVID if kids are infected. Now, the guy at South Dakota State's putting his hands up, screaming poor. I get it, man. He's a he's a school in Brookings, drove by it many times the year I lived up there, and I enjoy South Dakota State. So this isn't a shot at, at, at the Jacks. This is the reality that not everyone's floating on a river of money like Big Ten schools or teams in the SEC. There's haves, there's have-nots, there's rich, there's poor. And all of this is the bigger conversation about win total, right? About how many can Nebraska get. And Moose's thoughts, six wins are more doable this year than in year one. And you look at Nebraska's schedule this year, yeah, I think they should. I think they should get six or seven. Easy to say, hard to do. Yeah, we said that last year too. Well, come on, dude. I mean, the fact they went five and seven last year. If you pull the players and the coaches, they're still probably pretty pissed off about that. And I think if you pull the fans, the fans thought that team was better than five and seven as well. Well, yes. The, the, the eye test. When you look at the eye test, that team was better than five and seven. But it's it's the barrier. It's, you got to jump over that hurdle of six wins. Well, and let's not kid ourselves. Expectations haven't fallen down to six. No. Uh, I mean, most of it, I, I think you've reevaluated as a Nebraska fan from an expectation standpoint. And I think nine seems pretty darn good after the last five years you've been through. And I'm not lumping one coaching staff in with the other. I'm not doing that. I'm saying over a five-year period, you have one nine-win season. That isn't good. Uh, eight would be fine. Seven's okay. I mean, teams are going to fall off, all right, either through probation or coaching change or retirement, whatever. Uh, sometimes leagues rise up. Teams are going to fall off. USC has fallen off. Florida has fallen off. Texas has fallen off. Bama went for a long time. They pulled their own little Oklahoma version pre-Stoops, pre-Saban. There is a, a window of, of time that Bama fans probably want to forget about uh, post-Gene Stallings. They had one year with Sean Alexander. They went to a BCS Orange Bowl game. Then they got spanked by probation not soon after. LSU's been a program until they got the right guy in there, Saban, and then Les Miles, and now EZO, right? They've had three really good hires in a row. For the longest time, LSU got NFL talent everywhere, and they're winning nine games, but they're not making that jump, right? So you're going to have teams that are going to 
it will fluctuate. It will fluctuate except for about two or three teams. And you've seen Ohio State be elite. You've seen Clemson be elite. You've seen Alabama be elite. And there's always some fourth that jumps up. Some years it's Auburn. Some years it's Oregon. Some years it's Florida. Some years it's LSU. And from a Big Ten standpoint, it feels like a Penn State's kind of right there. It feels like Wisconsin's been in that holding pattern where they're good enough to be right there. When's Nebraska get back to that? And you got to start with going to postseason. And that has hit me like a ton of bricks growing up here, watching Nebraska games, going with my family to football games every Saturday, where you just had a guy with a headset and red hair that made it look easy. He made it look easy for a quarter of a century as the head guy, made it look really pretty easy for a guy named Devaney. And it, it was not. They were so far ahead of the game, it's, it's hard to even put into words how good the Devaney-Osborne conversation and competition level was, and then Osborne gets it. So six is not great, but you'll take it at this point. Do you even get a conference season of nine total games in? That seems to be the shift. Let's, we can talk about the non-conference and that Nebraska has three tough games, but in their forced first four games, three three and one is is doable. I think if if you're healthy and you're you're hitting on some some cylinders, I think you can go four and zero. Oh. It wouldn't surprise folks if if a, a South Dakota State or a Cincinnati nip Nebraska based on the last three years, but you're ready for that to stop happening. As, as a Nebraska fan, just because you want it to happen and wish it would happen doesn't mean it's ready to, all right, Nebraska's at a different level. They're still building. So I go back to the, you know, year five is where you need to look at it because you've had time to implement culture. And I know some of you roll your eyes at it, but it's so true. Culture is important. How do you go about doing your business? How do you go about kicking butt? And that that doesn't snap your fingers and happen overnight. Depth development. We have good conversations, don't we, Elijah, about the offensive line? Oh, yeah. And and we have those conversations where, all right, dude, find me five and go play ball. Now there's five, and then there's three or four other cats that can get in. Defensive line, you have all three of the kids from last year off to NFL opportunities. That's the first time in a while on the defensive line. What do you have on the defensive line this year? You have some, some guys that have been around a while. You also have some young pups that – need to get their feet wet and develop but man they can be really good so i'm excited about the uptick for nebraska football they just needed to to get a chance to play and i think it's very real that you may just get your big 10 schedule that's that's it because you don't have uniform safety covid protocols that exist so if you dial it back from you have a 12 game regular season schedule and six wins is the mark is six wins still the mark in a nine game conference schedule maybe i think you could go five and four and not be po'd schedule's rough it's brutal Mm -hmm. i expect this team in year three to turn a corner and be better in close games you don't have to win them all but you got to start winning some of them yeah managing expectations is kind of what i've felt the past two years has been the problem with husker fans um, and I you just think it's going to go happen because of, because yeah. of, of Scott's track record. Exactly. But when you look at this year, if you count out the non-conference schedule, what, what would be reasonable for conference schedule? Four and four and five, five and four. 
somewhere in there. If you're around the well, 500 mark in conference, I'm I'm satisfied with this team because that means you're probably beating the teams that you should be beating. Right, and but that that's a different con. That's been a different conversation the last two years because you've lost to them. Mm-hmm. You just you just have. I mean, you haven't beaten Purdue. You you lost to Indiana, uh, Illinois almost got you. Okay, and you're still not closer to Wisconsin. You're closer to Iowa. I mean, Iowa isn't pounding you anymore, but they're stabbing you at the buzzer. And and now you get Minnesota. That's a bigger conversation. And there's always Wisconsin you're chasing, and and then you, you have the crossovers where you you felt closer two years ago to Ohio State because of how close that game was, and then last year happened where they were really really good and a lot better from the previous year. Do we get to see that from Nebraska in year three, as in being better? In close games, do we get to see Nebraska being better in conference games? Do we see Nebraska deeper and physical and stronger and ready to to stop the run in Big Ten play? Do you see Nebraska ready to take care of the football and, and, and run the football? And yes, they want explosive plays. They want the offense to be high flying. With some dynamic kids, you're gonna requ- you're gonna require young guys to be ready to do that. And I don't know if everyone's going to all be ready at the same time to perform and produce. I think you'll get there. Do you get better as the season goes on? Are you are you getting better? Are you winning games? Even if you're losing games, that final five game stretch. If you go two and three, say you say you get Iowa and say you get Minnesota, or say you get Iowa and say you get Penn State. There's no shame in going sub five hundred. Most teams would not survive that schedule to a tune of four and one, five and zero, oh, or even three and two. You got to be feeling pretty damn good if you're two and three. If you can take two of those three, based on where you're at in the building process versus who you're matched up against, their experience level, and the fact that most of them are on the road. Three of those five are on the road. Hey, if if they're if they're in the game and it's tight. That's all you can ask for. Give yourself a chance versus penalties, versus turnovers, versus someone averaging six and a half a carry on you on first down. All of that. Just get better in that aspect. And I think a lot of Nebraska fans who've had to shake themselves a bit about expectations will say, I can see it. And that's what's been frustrating the last two years. You've seen the inconsistency. You'll eliminate that inconsistency as a program, the better you get, the more depth you have, the more confidence you gain, and the longer this group, this staff are together. So your three isn't your five back to what Moose is talking about. Yeah, if, if Nebraska can just beat the teams that they outspend in football. Well, how about the, the fact that they out-recruit? Mm-hmm. So you out-recruit most. You need to out-recruit and out-develop. Yeah. Okay? That's what I'm saying, yeah. And And – the fact that is that it's been very difficult this year. <laughs> you want to talk about a wrench in things from a development standpoint? That isn't good. So I guess if there is a, a pause button pushed on Nebraska football and the rest of college football for non-conference, so be it. As long as you get the conference games in, let the guys keep practicing from a safety standpoint, obviously, with the top of mind. But let them, let them get some practice in. They want to eventually go hit people, yeah, but 
We've talked about no bowl practices. We've talked about no uh, spring football practices. Back to that development phase we're talking about, getting better as a group, developing a second and third team, getting your first team really good. At least you'll have, if you don't have non-conference games, I'm not saying they aren't going to, but talk to me middle middle of July. At least you, you, you can use September to keep honing your skills. If there's no non-conference games, it would be cool. Some sort of scrimmage like Kansas or Kansas State. A team that has tested. Yeah, that'd be really a great idea. Uh, we'll talk some Chiefs football next. David Smale on the way. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! We'll get into Cam Newton as he is off to New England. Uh, that's on the way. Blackshirt, uh, Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt coming up at 5. Tinsome NFL now and author David Smale joins us. He has authored 21 books. His latest book is about the Kansas City Chiefs. It's called The Keys to the Kingdom, an illustrated timeline of the Kansas City Chiefs. We welcome in David Smale. David, thanks for a few minutes. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, appreciate your time and a lot of Chiefs fans uh, in uh, Nebraska where we are heard and uh, what a run Kansas City had. David, take us back to a little bit of the inspiration with this book and the challenges that this pandemic has caused, not only you putting it together, but we're getting ready to, to have it out for Chiefs fans and football fans to see in September. Kind of take us through your timeline. Well, it's interesting, Chris. I was uh, at the Big 12 tournament. I'm a, a sports writer here in town and, and uh, got a phone call. I'm sitting courtside and couldn't answer the phone. So after the games ended, I listened to my voice message, and it was from a publisher in St. Louis asking me if I'd be interested in writing a book on the entire history of the team. Uh, having grown up in Kansas City and remembering 1963 when the team came from Dallas, I was pretty excited about it. So um, as, as hard as it's been for the pandemic, it actually worked out pretty well from this, uh, for this standpoint because this book is really recapping lots of events and lots of people rather than a narrative history. And so I just had to dig back into the history and write about different events and different people that impacted that history. And I didn't have to do interviews, so that made it go quickly. I actually, this sounds like I'm bragging and I'm not, I actually wrote the whole book in about two weeks and did it mostly from memory and then used the Internet to check my dates and facts and stats and things like that. That's pretty awesome. So there are there are flashbulb moments with the Chiefs, and and I think of well, first and foremost, I as a kid growing up, I would see just how lit up Arrowhead is when Monday Night Football came to town, and yeah, I remember the introduction of Christian Okoye, or I remember that snowy Monday night out in Denver where it's Elway versus Montana. And then from a personal standpoint, just the career of not only Will Shields, a Nebraskan, but also Willie Rofe, both those guys on the offensive line. Take me through some of these moments you explore, obviously off of memory, but, I mean, there's so many in this long, proud history of one of the best franchises in the NFL. Interesting. I had a, a, a few uh, close friends who helped me. You know, I, I came up with my original list of people I should feature, mm-hmm. uh, and then I ran it by them, and I said, 
you know, am I missing anything? And they, they came up with a few. Uh, the, um, the Monday night game in Oakland back in uh, uh, late, 2000, late 2000, the first decade of the 2000s, mm-hmm. when Chiefs, Chiefs had Elvis Gerr back up, hit Andre Risen on the final play. Uh, of the game to to beat the um, you know to beat the Raiders and having grown up in Kansas City where my parents said hate is not a virtue that's welcomed in this house unless you're talking about the Raiders <laughs> that was particularly enjoyable for me. I bet and and a couple of a Big Ten names there with Elvis the the, the quarterback for Michigan and Bad Moon out of yeah. out of Michigan State we are talking Chiefs football the keys to the kingdom the book is going to be out in September. Author David Smale with us on an illustrated history of the Chiefs. You know, give me a, a thought as, as a guy who grew up and, and now covers sports, the impact of, of two guys, and just going to localize for you, the impact Will Shields had off the field and then obviously on the field for the Chiefs, but also a guy like Neil Smith that was a very, very high draft pick and had a phenomenal career for Kansas City. Yeah, those are those are two names that uh, are featured. Obviously, I couldn't couldn't do a, a list of players that had an impact without including those two. In fact, one of the one of the appendices I have in the back is players who went to college within like a three hour drive, and and certainly those are uh, those two guys are among the Nebraska guys that I have listed. And there's there's actually um, I think the number one was Missouri with like twenty, and mm-hmm. and then. Kansas and Kansas State had 19, and Nebraska had 18. Those numbers, I don't have a list in front of me, but it's something sure. like that. Nebraska certainly is well represented. Back to the days of Jeff Kinney, right. running back in the 70s, and, and there's a lot of good guys. The neat thing about, especially about Will, is he has stayed here in Kansas City. He's built a very successful business with in personal training, uh, in, in training young athletes, not just in football, but in, in other sports. And so they're just they're great guys. And, and, you know, as you know, being involved in sports media, uh, these guys are a lot better at athletics than I am, but they're just guys. They're just people. And they're really, it's really enjoyable to get to know them. Um, you know, one of my personal favorites to cover is, is another, uh, Husker and that's Alex Gordon. You know, Alex and I are friends. I, I cover the Royals and, you know, I can I if I ran into him in the grocery store, he wouldn't like look the other way. He would he would call me by name and say and say hello. And I appreciate the fact that he's just he's just another guy. And so that's that's pretty cool. He's just Alex. He is a he's a good dude. Yeah. David, you said you grew up in Kansas City. Did growing up in Kansas City and I assume being a Chiefs fan make it difficult to write this book or, or did it kind of allow you to write it from a fan's perspective? Uh, it, the latter, for sure. Um, that's a great question, Elijah. I, I, um, it, you know, when I, like I said, when they first asked me, they had no idea. They connected through a friend of a friend of a friend type thing, and they knew that I was a sports writer who lived in Kansas City. They did not know that when I was five years old, the Chiefs moved from, or the Dallas Texans moved to Kansas City, and my dad was excited that we had professional football, so I became excited. And so they had no idea of my passion for the for this team. Um, I will readily admit that I choked up when the Chiefs made the Super Bowl this year, and I and, and I watched the Super Bowl about eight times. It made it a lot easier. Uh, the, the hardest part was who do I leave out, mm-hmm. and which events do I leave out? Um, you know, with 60 years of um, highs and lows, you know, I can't include every event uh, or every player that had an impact. So the hardest part was 
leaving out some some personal favorites. Another Big Ten guy, Trent Green, didn't get oh, okay. as much attention as I would have liked to have given him. But uh, absolutely, being a Chiefs fan has made this um, uh, a, a joy, a, a sheer joy to work on. And I'm I'm excited about getting uh, getting the book out late August, early September. They're telling me release date. Officially September 1, but it could go a couple weeks either way. Well, if you're a Chiefs fan, you want to get this. Keys to the Kingdom, an illustrated history of the Kansas City Chiefs. And David Smale, the author, uh, 21 books he has done on sports history. And if you're a Chiefs fan, this is something you're going to get a, going to get a hold of. Let's go back to Mahomes. And as a guy in the media that, that covers sports, you know the reaction when a team trades up to get a quarterback – and then, wow, there's the payoff like no other. Uh, just a special, special guy and phenomenal quarterback. David, did you think – I trust Andy Reid. He's done well with quarterbacks. But yeah. I don't think a lot of us saw just how right he was going to be. There's still lots of time to do more uh, if you're a Chiefs fan when it comes to, to Super Bowls because the the collection of talent around Mahomes on top of his skill set paired with the coach and the systems – Incredible! It's 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 the the match of all matches. What did you think about Mahomes, and how much were you able to to implement into this book with Mahomes? Just being such a, a short, uh, his career's not not very long, obviously. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know I got quite a bit. Um, obviously, the the more recent news is going to be more popular sure. than the you know not everybody is over sixty and remembers when the Chiefs came to town. So we did quite a bit. On this, I have one one little short feature on the most important kneecap in Kansas City, uh, things like that. <laughs> yep. But you're right; it's just the impact that he has had is phenomenal. Uh, I I am one of um, many people here who cover the team on a on a regular basis, who thought when they moved up they were going to take Deshaun Watson, and and actually thought that would have been a better pick at the time. And I am happy to admit I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody, maybe maybe the GM had an idea about how good Patrick could be, but uh, he certainly, certainly, he could run for mayor of Kansas City without a platform and win easily. I bet. Uh, David Smale is with us, longtime author, and uh, this new book, uh, Keys to the Kingdom, the Illustrated History of the Kansas City Chiefs, covers their move from uh, being the Texans to Kansas City and the uh, both Super Bowl championships and uh, what a what a ride it's been for the Chiefs in their history and they are as hot as it gets right now in the NFL with expectations and and the talent to back those up. David, real quick, if folks want to find out more about your book or figure out where to get this book or even order or reach out to you, how do they do so? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, it it will be in bookstores uh, in sometime in September. And we're working to line up uh, book signings and speaking engagements or whatever in Lincoln. But if somebody wants to order one now and, you know, guarantee getting a signed copy, um, they can just go to my website, which is simply davidsmailbooks.com. And smale is spelled just like smile except an A, -A S-M-A-L-E. So davidsmailbooks.com. Anyone who orders before August 1st can get free shipping on this book. Um, so, and there will be a few pictures in there that show what the what the cover is going to look like. Uh, I'm pretty impressed with with what they did, what the publisher did with the cover. 
Um, but yeah, just go to davidsmailbooks.com and, and you can see that book and a couple of others that I've written recently. David, I have about a minute and, and you've covered the NFL for a while. What What's your feel right now moving forward with the pandemic and and having football? Are you worried or do you think the NFL can, can move forward? I, I think it's important enough from a financial standpoint, not only for the NFL, for the owners and the players, but for our for our general economy to get things moving, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic we will have a season, <clears throat> maybe delayed a little bit, maybe the first few games without uh, without a, a full stadium. Um, <clears throat> but I I just feel like it's it's too big of a deal to not do everything possible to make it happen. So I would be surprised if if we did not have a season. David, we'll talk again. Uh, congrats on your new book, uh, The Keys to the Kingdom, The Illustrated History of the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk again and best to you moving forward. Thanks for the time. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. All right. David Smale with us, author, and uh, that looks like a pretty awesome book. If you're a Chiefs fan and maybe you have a, a Denver fan you know, you can just get a copy and birthday or holiday season's taken care of. See, I, I got all the family out in Denver. Maybe it'll be a white elephant present that just every single year. <laughs> every single year. <laughs> That's pretty good. They they would not take you out to to Donkeyland ever again. Well, I could just show up. I gotta get pharmacist Jeff a copy of this Chiefs book. I mean, that's that's what I'm going to circle to do. Merry we'll, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk to we'll talk about Cam Newton next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Quick update with uh, Scott Frost as he spoke with uh, both the Journal Star and the World Herald, and uh, Derek Peterson retweeting this. So when it comes to COVID testing for Nebraska, the, the plan originally was not to, to release numbers. Scott Frost sharing with both those outlets that they've had eight positive tests out of 250 total tests for COVID, with six being from football. And uh, when it comes to playing Big Ten games only, Scott Frost thinks that if you pull most of the Big Ten coaches, you'd get zero support for that, particularly if there's not what the rest of the major conferences are doing. So say you're the SEC and you still forge forward and have your non-conference, you'd have uneven playing field, right? And if you extend the season to give you more games and say you go from nine conference games to 12 conference games, there's a different level, man, of wear and tear, says Scott Frost, on playing Big Ten teams 12 times a year. Versus just having nine, how physically demanding it can be to your football team. So it's a fluid situation. If somebody bows out or cancels or, I don't know, hasn't tested their football team, this is me, not Coach Frost, uh, there could be last-minute replacements. So to your point, Elijah, maybe you get a neutral site, well, probably not, but maybe you get Kansas coming up here, or maybe it's Kansas State, or may, maybe it's Iowa State. Maybe it's somebody that is in your region versus someone traveling from afar. With this, So these would be official games, these games that would be added? See, that adds another wrench into things. Well, it, it, they'd be added as probable replacements mm. for 
the non-conference, you can't get here. Yeah, and, and that that makes things tough. Is are are these teams going to want to come to Lincoln, or is Nebraska going to go to what? Gonna excuse me, go, going to want to go down to Kansas and go play in Lawrence? You know, uh, that's a question that I have. But well, also, it's, a, with, it's a paycheck thing. Yeah, with with how weird this season is, sometimes you just need the money. And I, I'd be all for that. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, Husker fans have wanted to have a, a Kansas thing Nebraska is, I mean, game. How many, of you, how, many of you, how many of you getting? I don't, but I don't know that you open up a new can of worms with people traveling into a city. Mm-hmm. You keep it, all right, this is our home game. Uh, where's your testing numbers at? Can you ha- can you field a team to travel two hours north? And we're, this is hypothetical. Kansas, can you do it? You've had to cancel some of your non-conference games. We've had to cancel some of ours. Here's the paycheck. Come on up and play. And it's a Power 5 level. I mean, Kansas makes sense because it's the Mad Hatter. Then mm-hmm. there's a little bit more wow to them. Than in years past. If, if you do that, it's just going to have the 2020 season's always got a little asterisk next to it, isn't it? And I, I think it might have well, an asterisk it just, next to it anyway. Yeah, it just, it just will. So let's move uh, off of Nebraska for a moment. We'll get some thoughts from Charlie McBride on this here shortly. Cam Newton. Cam Newton, one year deal. Cam Newton is off to New England. What, what's your first reaction as a football fan? Like, huh. Or is it more pessimistic? Here's what I believe. I believe that Cam Newton has had to have been humbled. Clearly, he's, he's been released. He's not far removed from an MVP. He's not far removed from a Super Bowl. And I'll give Cam Newton credit. I know he's got McCaffrey to hand the ball to, or had McCaffrey to hand the ball to. And he had Olsen to throw the ball to, okay? But when I look at, like, teams that have help. Cam Newton did a lot on his own. He ran the football, threw the ball, and he's just, he's a beast. He's a great, great player. I think he's got an attitude problem and he's a headache, but when when push comes to shove, he is going to go win football games for you and he's done that and he's done that with expectations. He did that with high expectations at Auburn. He got him to a national championship and won. He came in as the number one pick overall, fast forward, a couple of playoffs, and then the payoff with the Super Bowl. So I know they didn't win it, but he got him there. That was pretty impressive to, to get out of the NFC that year. That was impressive. I mean, look so, at the receivers that he had in that team that year. His number two target was Jericho Cotri, I think. Right. Who was like almost 40 at the time. That's no, an exaggeration, but... Not really. <laughs> not not I, NFL I mean, years, bro. He did not have any assistance no, I mean, on he, that. He team. had Olsen, the ageless wonder at tight end, and then you finally draft McCaffrey, you get him, and then Cam's taken probably like 18 rushing attempts. He's back to throw 40 times. He gets sacked 50 times a year. I might be exaggerating a bit, but as big as he is, between his shoulder getting jacked and having a Liz Frank... It's no wonder that the Cam Newton market dropped and New England said, hey, let's make a deal and let's make a deal for seven million. Let's make a deal with you, Cam, and everywhere else that you've been replaced or this domino effect with you being out as quarterback. Okay, is Cam going to go to Chicago? Is Cam staying in Carolina? Is Cam looking at Miami? I mean, think, and he ends up in New England and somebody called their shot on this probably back in January. I think it's it, I a think match it, made in heaven. I think it was Lars Anderson who called his shot and says, Cam's going to be in New England. 
It's, I mean, it's a match made in we heaven. We can go find the audio. But, but I mean, for me, when you look at it, you mentioned Cam's got an attitude problem. And who has been the coach who has been able to solve the guys with all the talent in the world, but maybe have a talent issue, or maybe they can't fit in in their locker room? Well, that, or maybe their old head coach didn't like them. That, that's, and listen, it's been Bill Belichick. It, it, it's, it's professional. So you can put aside what you think of the dude yeah. and go play ball because he is going to want to go out and win. Uh, can Cam and can Bill coexist? Well, you either exist with Bill Belichick or you don't exist. There's there's it's two little simple. factors here. I think it's going to come down to how he fits in the offense. And, I mean, uh, their offensive coordinator up there. Uh, it's McDaniel, McDaniel, the same still. guy in Denver, Denver that had Tebow, and Belichick's wanted to do this because he brought Tebow in not long. I mean, it's been five, six, six seven years. The point is, is McDaniel was the guy who not only drafted Tebow, but had him as a mobile quarterback. Let's run Timmy. And that is going to be a, a fit to a T. Yeah. McDaniel knows how to do this. McDaniels also was looking very hard at Lamar Jackson coming out of college. Mm-hmm. He, he was very high on the guy. He's wanted a running quarterback for a while. The second, the second little aspect here is that Cam Newton, before his injury in 2018, those first seven, eight games, he had the highest completion percentage, yardage, and touchdowns in, 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 in throws under 20 yards. Mm-hmm. And what do the Patriots do? They nickel and dime you down the field, those short throws. If Cam can get that back, I'd be interested to see. I think this is going to be awesome. It's going to be fun to watch. It, well, it, listen, you, it's too stupid not to do this, yep. right? Because you're you're signing them for a bargain. A $7 million. The Broncos <laughs> had to pay Joe Flacco like $20 million I last know, year. I know. I mean, just think about what you're getting. The sell job is this. You are coming in hungry with a chip on your shoulder. Uh, I need to prove that, you know, it wasn't just Tom Brady. Both entities, the, the quarterback and the coach, need one another. You've got the perfect offensive coordinator who's dabbled in this before. So even if, say for some crazy reason, Cam doesn't win the job because his base is like $2 million, okay, you can still throw him in with a little Cordell Stewart slash Tebow type role in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or the, the kid out of uh, New Orleans. Uh, Taysom Hill. Yeah, you can go Taysom Hill inside the tent. I mean, all Cam's got to do is beat Jared Stidham for starting quarterback. Easy. He'll do it. He's got to be the day one starter. He'll do it, and he'll do it. And the the next thing we're going to be talking about in a year is, does Cam get an extension, or is he off to, to a new venue? All right, we'll wind down hour one next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity Radio this hour, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt. Elijah Herbal, black shirt, Mr. Black shirt, Charlie McBride's coming up. Excited to talk with the coach, get his take on what lies ahead for Nebraska football 2020. Matt Verzel, old Verz, going to talk some offensive line with him at 525 466-3776-466-37-76-800-825-5865. Some more shots being fired by Akram Wadley from Iowa, we'll get to in a moment. But I want to remind you about drinking and driving. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver. Driving drunk, buzzed, or high, never acceptable, and law enforcement officers are working around the clock to stop it with sobriety checkpoints and saturation patrols as the driver make the correct choice of a non-alcoholic drink and have that pre-selected designated driver be smart start the conversation who's driving home brought to you by the nebraska department of highway safety office all right so 
Uh, plenty to get into with Coach McBride. Akram Wadley, I don't know that they're going to invite him back to Iowa anytime soon. And if you're if you're Wadley, the running back, played from 2014 through 2017, really talented kid. He was the first to, to make claims, or at least his mother was, against uh, Brian Ferentz with uh, some of the, hey, you look like you're going to go rob a liquor store type commentary when the kid had walk out after a game. But you had uh, this incident where Wadley alleges that, that Brian Ferentz, uh, since repeatedly asked him if he was going to go knock off a gas station, he was threatened by Kirk Ferentz that his meal card would be taken away. And they were ticked off at Wadley that he hadn't gained enough weight over the summer, so they made him do some of, some of the, the protein shake deals to put on weight, and then he'd have to go practice or work out so he'd, he'd get sick. And I guess my, my first take is, well, they told you to put weight on over the summer, put weight on over the summer. But secondly, um, for him to come forward and say, look, I, Coach Ferentz not only threatened to take my meal card, he did take my meal card and said I couldn't sit with teammates to eat. And the kid had to like phone his mom on a weekend night to order a pizza make the call from New Jersey so somebody could deliver pizza because he was starving. He turned to alcohol, abused some alcohol. They gave him a meeting with a therapist, and then he had the initial meeting, and then the therapist disappeared. So this is not a good look by one of the top backs Iowa's had in a while. His final two years at Iowa, 2,800 yards, 43 games. But he is not a fan of how things went with the Iowa program. So you have Broderick Ben. He's uh, director of player development. He wanted someone to, to find him a, a therapist, and that, that went south and sour. So you have Wadley and other Iowa players encouraged to share their thoughts. This was done on Facebook by Wadley towards Iowa. Now, there's a little more depth to it, but this isn't anything different than the accusations earlier that kind of led to to Ferentz's press conference a few weeks back. So, can Iowa change? Yeah, that's what they're telling us. But how, how deep does the iceberg go of just treatment? How bad was it? You've heard a lot. You're going to hear some more. Coach McBride's next Hail Varsity Hour 2. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and uh, we welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself. Mondays with Charlie. It's Charlie McBride on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, good to talk with you. How you doing? Good. Doing good. I made it through the day. That is good. <laughs> how's <laughs> how's the, uh, the 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 weather and, and humidity up your way? Is, is it pleasant? Yeah, beautiful. There wasn't. Well, the, today there was, you now there are a few clouds, but it was all one of those clear days. And, you know, we get some good humidity here. 
you know, it's not like Lincoln. You know, okay. the weather's pretty much the same when it gets hot. Hot and sticky, but at least yeah. you're near water. Yeah, I didn't practice any, um, you know, any golf today or anything. I just kind of hung out. I've been in this quarantine and stuff is, um, you know, made me a professional eater. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> you know, that's you do what you need to do, coach. That's the way to be and better safe than sorry. And, and you mentioned quarantine and Coach Frost uh, spoke with uh, the two major papers a little bit earlier today. And at first, Nebraska did not release the coronavirus testing results. And coach, you've seen. The numbers at Clemson, you've seen the numbers at LSU, what happened down at Kansas State. I mean, you've had community spread happen. Well, yeah. what, what you have now for Nebraska is this, with Coach Frost kind of letting a little bit more information out. Uh, and, and what you do have is this, um, Nebraska and uh, Lam- Lambrecht, Jared Lambrecht, his chief of staff, put together a nice plan for Nebraska. So once things shut down and kids immediately came back, that being Adrian Martinez, they were able to quarantine and then, and then get tested. So mm-hmm. uh, there was Adrian and then uh, a, a core group of, of players and, and staff that, that got initial tests on April 3rd. Since then, Nebraska's tested more than 250 student-athletes several times. Eight positive tests, six have involved with the football program. That's two players and a coach. That was folks who came back upon arrival testing positive, and three others have tested positive for community spread. So what it means here is, is you've got six out of 250 or eight out of 250 that have had to deal with this, and it doesn't sound like, not that there can't be spread, but it sounds like Nebraska has been pretty good at, at keeping folks uh, away from one another until they they get through this. And yeah. you know, well, what, you what, have, what would you what would you have that with a flu? I know. And I was just say, what would you do with with this, man? I mean, does this is your optimism level more dampened for football based on what you're seeing, or do you think it'll it'll happen some sort of way because it's it's there's too much money at stake. Uh, I think it makes me me personally more anxious, you know, yeah. that things work out. You know, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's just kind of like waiting and hoping, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, rather than down. I, I, I don't, I think it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to work out for the fans. That's the biggest thing. I think for the players, it'll be fine. I think once we... They go through this period right that they're going through right now and being tested and so forth. I also think that as time goes on, there's going to be a vaccine, okay. uh, which is probably going to be a big thing for everybody, I suppose. And uh, but you know, I, there's so many people right now that, especially young people, can handle it. You know, they, you know, they might have a, a cough or they might, you know, not even feel bad. You know, it's crazy the way some of this stuff acts and then with older people of course I guess you just go ahead and you go to the hospital and so on but sure but young people seem to not not really jump on this thing and then I saw where Kansas State was in pretty bad shape and mm-hmm. 
you know, some some schools, you know, around that, of course, some more than others, and I'm sure that that, you know, in a matter of time, it'll it'll work out. It'll work out for everybody. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Mondays with Charlie. Coach, uh, a thought on the schedule, and that's that's kind of the wild card here. What do you get from a non-conference standpoint? You've got South Dakota State that hasn't tested anybody, and I don't know that you just move into a, a, a league-only schedule where you go play 12 league games in the Big Ten if you don't get three non-conference games. That wouldn't be ideal. A lot of coaches, because of the wear and tear in conference play versus non-conference. But mm-hmm. would would you see? Could you see it it happening where if if things get shaky for for area schools where you could see Nebraska meeting up and playing in Iowa State, kind of a make to ball game if 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 it comes to that or or a Kansas or a Kansas State could that be a direction you take say if you can't play a Cincinnati or a South Dakota State or a Central Michigan yeah that that that, that would make sense it, I think it would make sense especially now with the travel mm-hmm. part of it you know uh, it, it's pretty expensive and, but it, of course those schools are they always come to Lincoln so it's not a big travel deal, mm-hmm. but um, at least you're not talking about traveling on the East Coast or West, maybe the West Coast, and um, you know, and spending money doing having to do that. Because usually, sometimes when you play those schools, they won't play unless you come to their place. Right. So that that's that's one of the that's one of the kind of problems because you're the one that's you know really searching out for, for a game, and, and vice versa. I mean, uh, you know, I know that there's been teams, a couple of teams dropped us this year, the, through the years, and uh, they were responsible. Not only did they get fined, uh, which wasn't a big deal then, a big fine, but probably then it might have been a little bigger than it would be now. But And then they would have to get a, a team for you. I mean, that would be in the contract. Wow. So uh, one, yeah. So we ended up one one year, I think, with uh, Middle Tennessee, and one year with Tennessee Tech. I think those are two of the games that were were substitutes for teams that you know just decided they didn't want to play us. Well, Temple, I know, pulled out at the last minute on you guys, right? Yeah, I think I don't know. There was there was there was probably. There were probably about four games that I think you know that was, you know that was like that, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's it, that that's kind of disheartening a little bit, you know, just just because you know as a player and a coach you're just not you don't have any you don't have any control over it, mm-hmm. so you don't know who you're going to play, and you know it's just kind of it kind of messes you up a little bit mentally, you know. I sure. Mean, you know, you, when you know who you're going to play, you've kind of worked and looked, you know, over the summer, spent time on them, and and you don't ever want to overlook anybody because it's, uh, you know, it can make it, you know, make it tough on your whole year if you lose this couple of games to somebody that you should be beating. So you got to treat everybody the same. You have to work hard on all of them. 
Charlie McBride's with us a few minutes here. Mondays with Charlie Hale, Varsity Radio. Bill Moose spoke over the weekend, and he says six wins are more doable. He kind of surprised us last year in Chicago, saying, hey, six would be real nice, where most of us are saying they were going to get eight or nine wins. And he mm-hmm. thinks he thinks six could be the number if if things are the the way they're supposed to be. I.e., you play your non-conference and then you get your non-conference games. I want to ask you: Did I know you loved what you did and you loved working with the kids? All that said, you guys always had that bar of nine wins or ten wins or win the Big Eight or. <laughs> beat Oklahoma or go get Colorado was it overwhel- was it overwhelming ever no no it never was no I, you know it, it it was you know it was motivating i mean it was a, a thing where you didn't want to fall off you didn't you know you wanted to you wanted to get better and you wanted to you know you didn't you know, each year was a, was a whole new story. In some years, you know, we knew in positions we weren't really very good at. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, didn't have experience, so on and so forth. So that that adds to the frustration a little bit of um, going into the season. But, you know, when you find out, these kids realize with how they have to play, and they always play better than you think they can. You know, it's, it's crazy <laughs> that way, but... You know they they have you know there's some there's a lot of of players that realize that they have a responsibility to the other guys on the team and they work harder in practice than they ever have before and uh, that's usually what what the case is the thing uh, if you get too many games or get too much piled up on top of you now uh, you can look at the NFL. I mean, you mm-hmm. you know, you were talking about twelve games or something like that. Yeah, you tw- you play twelve conference games, and and it can make a difference in playing for a national championship, conference championship, or even a team you should beat. Right. Uh, because the injuries can really, you know, throw a wrench into things in college. I think in pro ball they expect you to win no matter who the who the players are or who they are, and, and that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they never use, they tried not to ever use that as an excuse, but when you walk into a game without your, maybe your first, it could be your first two quarterbacks, and you're supposed to win and you don't, you get fired. Well, <laughs> that's not real, really realistic to me, you know, I mean, especially in the NFL. In college, there's enough uh, teams that can can make their offense fit who they have. Sure, you know it's a lot easier, I think, in college. And I think you know the way we are. I was we were set up. You know we had the power game, the option game, and so forth. And and so we could go in different directions. We could probably play a game without throwing a pass, <laughs> and uh, you know, and stuff like that. And and we played games with our yeah. third team quarterback, and the, and the players would. You know, everybody would play well. They they knew they had to step their game up and stuff. But I don't I don't like I don't like the idea of of taking a college player and just you know you, you know you you can do so much mm-hmm. and it's pretty tough in college to be going to school 
playing 12 really tough Big Ten games. Yeah. You know, like that. So I'm not real excited. I, I kind of like the format now. They they got something pretty good. Uh, we're, we're lucky because we get teams that come to our place because we can pay them. Mm-hmm. And they like to come. I mean, you know, their their administration loves that stuff. I don't know about their players, <laughs> but you know, you hear their players talk. They want to find out where they are. Sure. You know, and so forth. You know, so, um, you know, I think three games would be, you know, okay. And I, I, you know, it used to, I used to wonder why we didn't have um, teams in the area that we played. Uh, more of instead of playing away. In other words, you know, teams like Colorado State and sure. Wyoming and, and Air Force Academy and some of these schools that are, you know, in in the area and uh, would would bring fans, you know, I mean, so it isn't so hard for them, you know. And uh, I don't know. I just think it makes makes for for a better deal than having to run off to playing some, you know, game over in New York or sure. something like that, you know. Coach Charlie McBride is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, we got about two minutes left, but I want you to really fast put yourself in the shoes of Scott Frost. Whenever you're looking at this 2020 season, how do you set the expectations for the team? Do you, do you say, hey, I want you guys to make a bowl this year, or do you always set, I want you guys to win every single game this year? How, how do you go about doing that? Well, I think, you know, at this point, you know, I, I think, you know, knowing them, I think the biggest thing right now is um, to win a conference championship or win a division. One of the two things I think you ought to really aim at, I don't think you ought to aim at numbers. I think mm-hmm. you ought to, you know, aim at winning. You know, as you get to be a good football team and you know you're going to be in maybe in the top ten coming out, I think you just go ahead you, you know, you'd go for the national championship because you're going to win the conference championship or you can't play for the national championship. <laughs> so so why not just go ahead for the whole ball of wax? And that's kind of the way we were. At, uh, you know, I think inside, I think the players, once you get winning and doing things, I think the players themselves will, will kind of, you'll, you'll get a feeling of what they're really thinking. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I think one year, I can't remember exactly, but Tom had everybody write their top 10 goals, but they think the top 10 goals are, should be for the team for the season. And then we looked at them, I think, and found out that, if, you know, as we were going, it was, it was, it was pretty much a national championship and, you know, and things like that. And then the defensive guys would write, you know, guards for so much a game, and and that was a big thing with them. And we had a lot of guys that really were serious about this stuff. Some of them just kind of look at it and go, oh, okay. But, uh, you know, I know we had guys that really were upset when we didn't make, mm-hmm. make our goals and things like that. And I think that rubs off, you know, on, on the other, other players. Charlie McBride's with us. Coach, we'll talk again next Monday, and thanks so much for a few minutes. Okay, guys, have a good week. You too, bud. Thank you, Coach. <laughs> okay, bye now. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio.
Back to Inhale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some offensive line. We welcome in the uh, pride of Grand Island, Matt Verzel, with us. Verz, what do you know, man? How you doing? I'm good, bud. I'm good. I'm busy, so that's always good. How you doing? Uh, we're hanging in. A lot of baseball on the weekends. We've got that rolling, and and uh, so yeah, a lot of time in the sun, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got to work on that tan, right? Oh, it's it's. I look 15 pounds lighter, bro. It looks money. <laughs> so, uh, before we move forward and talk some O line, you're you, you love the NFL. Uh, your Bears didn't get into the Cam Newton sweet sta- sweepstakes. He's off to to New England and. That's kind of the, the national news of the day. What's your take on, on Cam and, and Belichick uh, playing nice together? I know they signed him, but can this work? That's a heck of a, a, a shoes to fill if you're Cam. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's the Patriot way, right? They <laughs> wait for assets to be perceived as diminishing. I don't think Cam has diminished at all. I think Cam's going to be really good in their setup and, you know, the rich get richer, right? they should be able to continue on, which is to the joy of every Patriots fan out there. So <laughs> There's fewer and fewer of them, though, man, when you look at the rest of the uh, the fan bases. Like, oh, no, they've got a different dude, and the guy can still run, and he's going to have a chip, have a monster chip on his shoulder, and it could be, uh, could be good for New England. I'm anxious to see Cam play at a high level and a healthy level again because he is a ton of fun to watch. Oh, he's great to watch. If they... If he, I'm not saying he's got to change himself, but if he buys into what they do, I mean, that, that team now became very, very deadly. Matt Verzel's with us. Verzel, let's talk some Huskers, and let's get into the, the offensive line race. And, and as you see it, as a guy who played down there on the offensive line for Nebraska during the golden era, talk to me a little bit about the competition that, that you faced and how it pushed everybody and also just the amount of repetition that went into getting you guys ready and then – Let's kind of tie it into what we want to see in 2020 with lots of guys that have experience, but also maybe Nebraska could be leaning on some young guys at that right tackle spot. Yeah, it's a, I mean, in every phase of every game you ever play, you want competition. You know, the more, if somebody's ever feeling complacent with their job, there's there's something terribly wrong in that mm-hmm. setup because there's no need for you to effort when you have to go to practice. And practice should be a time where everybody's trying to become their best. So I think it's awesome. I think the fact that they're going to have pretty much an open competition for spots, and there's a few that are locked down, but to go there and know that you can be pressed any day of the week and you have to, you can't have a bad day, you know, and you have to go out there and you have to perform and you have to set an expectation of yourself. You know, those internal drivers, meaning, you know, my competition isn't even necessarily against an opponent, it's against a teammate. That's a, that's an interesting exercise, right? When I know I have to go to practice and be my best, I have to become better every day. I don't have a choice. I can't, I can't take a day off, air quote. I think through the, through the past, you know, at some points in time, Nebraska guys have been able to to say, yeah, I'm the starter. Nobody's going to beat me out, so I'm going to go do what I want to do. Instead of getting in there and having to work for that job every day, that's a that's a big deal, so I'm excited to see it. Matt Verzel's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Let's look at the left guard spot. Of course, a uh, player you know well and, and coached in, in Trent Hickson. Trent had some some really good times last year, also showed a lot of resiliency. Bo Wilson uh, is flipping from that right side to left, and then Ethan Piper out of Norfolk, uh, kind of a log jam there for, for three guys uh, to, to, to play one, and then you have depth behind that, and as you look at, at the guard spot, and I know you played center in college, but where is where's Nebraska's growth been in your estimation as, as they enter in 
to year three, specifically that interior part of the line, the guards and center. What can the line become, do you think? They have the potential to to be really good on the interior. Um, I think a lot of the early struggles last year were input in the center mm-hmm. that hadn't had the reps of the familiarity with a lot of guys that had gone through camp together. And it was a move the coaches made. They felt strong about it. It, it Whether you want to admit it or not, the product that we saw in the field kind of strengthened the fact that maybe that chemistry was off until a little bit later in the season. Um, but having guys like Hickson in there, Bo Wilson, who started on the other side, you know, I mean, the guy can play. And you have an up-and-comer in Ethan Piper who everybody's super excited about, but now you, you get a chance to go compete every day. That job's there to take. Um, in, on the inside, you know, I, I wouldn't – this is just me personal, personally. I've coached football for 20 years. Just because you move a guy down to a different position doesn't mean that's necessarily going to be – that's going to work. You know, Farniak moving down into that right guard spot, I wouldn't get all jazzed up about that because there's still a lot that has to be proven there that he can handle that load and he can play that position. So I would say, you know, you're going to have four guys that can play two spots, and that's a luxury. Because what we've all kind of looked for for so long is that if somebody is having a bad game, let's be able to have the chance to substitute somebody in. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, hey, Player X is having a bad game. You got one more series, and we're going to put in player Y. So go out and do it on the field, or you're going to be standing next to me as the coach, and nobody wants to be over by the coach. So it'll be a fun competition. It'll be something that Nebraska has needed for a long time. But I've said it forever. The sky is the limit for that offensive line. It's They can go as far as they want to go. They've got to um, – the thing that I'll be looking for is, you know, did they continue to change, to change their shape over the offseason? Do they look like athletes? Do they not just look like big bodies, but do they look athletic? Do they work on their agility? Are they more agile on the field? Can they can they get off of double teams? Can they get up to the second level? Can they maintain a block at the second level? All those things factor in. So it's a little bit of a physical change. The mental should be second nature for them by now as long as the, the system has been in. So it'll be fun to watch. Matt Verzel's with us talking online, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, at Verse 51 is where you find him on Twitter and uh, follow him. Let's get to that, that gelling part and take me through your experience. Uh, you guys got on the field, uh, you pushed one another, and you were part of some, some major wins. At what point in your career did it feel like second nature to you, not only mentally but physically, and then the other four guys you're with gelling. I mean, th- that that on the lines of scrimmage is a, is a process that you know pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that goes through, and in, in, in it's your practice setup, okay? So how does your practice involve maybe a second-team kid or, or somebody that isn't necessarily your starter? Because law averages says you're going to get somebody hurt, mm-hmm. okay? So Milt and Dan did a great job of rotating guys through where – just for five, ten plays in a practice, you would have reps with the number one set. So you're running with the guys that are, are the starters. You'd be in there. You'd feel comfortable with it. But you also had a, a desire yourself not to be the weak link, right? Nobody ever wanted to be the weak link in that setup. So when you would go through your film prep or your practice or, or whatever you were doing, you knew that you had to take those reps at a higher speed and a higher pace. Um, fortunately for Nebraska at that time, both sets of lines were really good, okay? So 
you may get some reps against Christian Peter, Jason Peter, and then you go down with another group, and now you're taking reps against Steve Warren and other guys that are, are just on the precipice of, of being the next guy in line. So the fear of, of being the weak link, the fear of being the reason something didn't succeed, but then that continual motivation from both sides of the football that when you got into your reps, it didn't matter if it was, if it was Christian, if it was Jeff Ogard, if it was Steve Warren, whomever you were going against, they were good. And so you had to go. So there was a, you couldn't take plays off. There weren't any rest breaks. You know, your rest break was when you went and got water. <laughs> when you had the helmet on, you had to be ready and you had to be ready to go at all times. So that's, that's the goal of what Nebraska is striving to be. And I think their defensive line has a lot more depth now, so they should be able to do that in practice, which will be a welcome sight. Matt Versel's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Vers, uh, you, uh, like you said, you've coached 20 years. Uh, you've been a part of a lot, lot of state championship programs up at Scott. Tremendous program. As you kind of look at, at the, uh, the landscape right now and how – how how is Nebraska perceived by you as a kid coming out of high school? And what's the – I'm asking you to speak for some of the kids, but if mm-hmm. you feel comfortable, do so. How do they look at Nebraska right now? Like when it comes to in-state either getting a walk-on that can be really, really good or going and getting a scholarship kid to say yes to Nebraska when it seems like every who's who program has infiltrated because there's so much area talent. Uh, what's that Nebraska brand like now? What was it like then? Um, way back in the 90s, it was different. You, mm-hmm. know, you didn't have, you know, I had an opportunity to go to Wyoming or Iowa State. And I thought, well, I would rather not go get pummeled by other teams for four years. I would like to win because <laughs> I, I like winning. It's a lot more fun. Um, Good reason. <laughs> yeah, right. In Nebraska currently, um, and, and this is just in, in my scenario, but and actually, I train, you know, eight, ten offensive linemen that go to other schools. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a genuine concern. They, they, you know, six foot three, six foot four, doesn't cut it for what Nebraska wants right now, and so that's troubling to some of them. Would they love to go play at Nebraska? Hundred percent. They they do. But kids, kids are so much smarter now. Than, than we ever were. Mm. Um, they they understand maybe more that it's a business than we did at that point in time. But they have this dream. It's in you also know, hey, I'm only going to be so tall. Okay, so if the Nebraska thing presents itself, great. I'm super excited about that. But if it doesn't, it doesn't mean I'm less of a player. It just means I don't fit Nebraska. Now, me at Scott, fortunately, you know, once every blue moon, we'll have a kid that's, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and, and he'll have a chance to play there, a la Hicks. And, you know, Hicks mm-hmm. took a chance and walked on and is going to play there for some this year or play for them some this year. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't have to have a lot of discussion of, of that with my guys. My guys aren't that size. They aren't that build. Um, a lot of the, the time at Scott, you know, they know, hey, I got hopefully 13 more games and I'm going to call it a career. Sure. So it's a luxury for me because I don't have to have a lot of that discussion. Well, some of the boys that I work with outside of Scott, you know, they – they would love to be there. They think Nebraska is awesome, but they also know, hey, it might not work out. And I've got to make sure that I'm putting myself in the best position to get myself to college to play football because that's a dream of mine. And so it is it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, they're very honest with what they're looking for, which is all you can ask. 
you would hate to have them come out and say, oh, no, you're, you just, I'm sorry, bud, you just missed it. But sometimes in that, and I feel very strongly about it, you just miss football players. And sometimes a kid that can just, he might be an inch or two short, can just play football. You know, you look at your Aaron Taylors, Will Shields by, by what they're looking for right now wouldn't have been at Nebraska, which would have been uh, a shock. But, you know, sometimes you just find kids that play the game really well and you trust your eyes and you trust what they see and you take them. But Nebraska doesn't have that luxury right now. So they've got to get guys that they believe 100% this build and this stature fits what we do and that's what we're going to go with. And they stick to their guns and I give them credit for that. He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Matt Verzel's with us. Last thought, Verz. Uh, Greg Austin going to have more input in the offense. Run game coordinator. I know what coach wants to do, and that's be physical. That's run the ball. He uh, also a former Nebraska offensive lineman. That's the want. Do you think we see it? Can Nebraska lean on a run game if if we get football in 2020? Well, let's eliminate the if part. Let's be a little more positive than that, Smitty. Come on now. I, I think we're getting. Uh, I think we're going to get it. It's just going to be different than what we th- thought maybe two weeks ago. Correct. Um, you're if you're offensive line coach isn't your run game coordinator and this is nothing against coach Austin I think he's doing a nice job there but to me it's just a title um, he he is the run game coordinator he will always be the run sure. game coordinator as the offensive line coach because that's what we want to do uh-huh. um, term <laughs> term was in the other night he grabbed the pizza on Father's Day and he, we were talking shopping <laughs> He said something, and I was like, yeah, I don't care what you do as long as you run it. I'm like, you just stop throwing it around the field, and we'll be fine. But So it will be good to have Austin's voice be heard. Um, I think you saw a little bit of his frustration last year. Yeah. Um, a reporter asked him a question about running the ball, and he kind of snapped back real fast. said, well, in order to run the ball, you have to call running plays. <laughs> and so I thought that resonated quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know what that looks on their headsets. If if Coach Frost says, "Hey, Greg, what do you think here?" and Austin has a run play in mind, or what that what that involves, or if it's more of a, of a during the week kind of thing, hey, this is what we feel comfortable with. Um, but it's your offensive line coach has to have a voice, and you have to let him get his input in there, be that early in the week or on the game day. But yeah, I think they'll be he'll be really good at it. Can Nebraska do it? The only thing with run blocking that's different is your attitude. It isn't. It isn't a 700-pound squat. It isn't a 900-pound bench. It's the six inches from your left ear to your right ear. And it's just a mindset that's like, hey, I'm going to take you where you are. I'm going to move you off of your spot. You might be, you might look like you're winning, but I'm going to move my feet. My feet are going to be so technically sound that you can't get around me. My hands are going to be in great position. So if you tilt one way wrong, I'm going to lever you and I'm going to put you on the ground. So you're going to be the one that makes a mistake. I'm going to be the one that capitalizes on it. And my running back is going to run the ball for a long ways. So it's it's that shift in mentality. I think sometimes Nebraska's offensive line last year looked a little passive. They looked um, maybe a little bit more reactionary. Mm. You talk to any one of them dudes, right? You, you go back to some of those old boys in the 80s even, right? 
Jimmy Wanick, Dougie Glazier, you talk to them dudes, they still know they will whoop you right now. And it's just the way that they carry themselves. It's just a mindset and mentality. So it's amazing what you can do physically if you shift the brain, right? You move the brain to say, this is what I'm going to do. Your body will follow. It doesn't have any choice. So hopefully they can get that nasty mindset and mentality and find some football players in there and start start beating some people up. Matt Verzel with us, Sale Varsity Radio. Good talking, O-line. Verz, continued success to you, man, in the, in the pizza world and on the radio, brother. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, Smitty. All right, got to love talking with Verz and uh, getting caught up with him. Love his take on things, man, because he's, he's got the college background and he's immersed in the high school world. So it's a, it's a great viewpoint and i could just listen to people talk about the offensive line all day Well, listen man and i know we talked with dr rob last monday it's okay to have a day devoted to oh and coach mcbride's an offensive line i know he's a great defensive line coach and coordinator he was a sweet sweet offensive line coach at arizona state and wisconsin all right the offensive line it's the most underappreciated position you're gonna say that because you used to wear husky (laughs) jeans it's okay but you're right. That's how you win. Exactly. That's how you win. When, when you win, no one credits the offensive line, but when you lose, everyone says, oh, it's the offensive line's fault. It's a, it's a mentality. It's a toughness. Yeah. Right. Let's uh, spend a minute here on West Blue Realty before we tell you about uh, more from Cam Newton. Are you moving in 2020? And I tell you what, when you look at homes in Lincoln and the surrounding communities, uh, West Blue Realty can point you towards that right direction if it's time to make a move for you. For a limited time, you mentioned Hale Varsity up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby, man, Tom is as good as it gets. Give Tom a shout to help you out with West Blue Realty. 402-540-3768. His partner, Kelly Hofschneider. Kelly's incredible as well. 402-202-2312. Uh, Tom Luby, Kelly Hofschneider, they'll take that phone call. It pays to work with West Blue. WestBlueRealty.com. They're located at 1120 K Street, Suite 200 in Lincoln. So let's uh, get a little bit more here on Cam Newton. And I want to hear specifically on on Mr. Cam Newton. Uh, Give me some thoughts here from Shefty. Uh, How did this kind of happen we kind of thought that, hey, what about what about Cam to New England? Uh, Mr. Inside the NFL, Adam Schefter, lays it out. I think there's a process here where Cam Newton comes to the realization that he's not going to be a $30 million a year quarterback the way that many people view him to be. Carolina released him a couple of weeks into free agency. Teams had filled up their starting jobs at that point in time. So he's not going to get the opportunity that he wants at that time. So it takes a little while to settle in, okay, what is the best situation being that I'm not going to get the type of contract that I want? And inevitably, I think him and the Patriots started talking a few weeks back. They talked, Cam listened, New England listened, and I don't even know that it was... Elijah, tell me this, brother. Did you find it just weird? I didn't find it ultra weird in the NFL because of Cam's injury history where there was a delay in him getting signed. But I think it was more injury factor than anything. Well, and then there's there's probably a snippet of personality because they're 
there is that he had he had his reaction he had by getting released from Carolina mm-hmm. that while very real and non-robotic and emotional, it's not typically what you see when you're released. I mean, the Panthers, in a sense, hung him out to dry with when they cut him, though. They did him dirty. They did him so dirty. That's going to give him extra motivation and, in England, and, first off. And did they do him dirty because they've turned into a jerk franchise? Or did they do him dirty because they've had years of putting up with his BS and it was payback? I'm not going to speak on that, but I, 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 would, I, would, I would lean there, towards the latter, honestly. There, there's, there's first, there, there's two, there's, there's why. There's a question of why is out there with Cam Newton. But the thing is, is Cam's still not a 25 million year quarterback, even if they release him whenever they probably should. Cam's not a $25 million a year guy because of his health. No, Cam could, and, Cam and, could be in the 10 to 15 range. And Dak Prescott's not a $31 million quarterback. There's about four guys, okay, that I'd pay that type of cheddar to. Mahomes? Mahomes. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Uh, Drew Brees. Drew Brees. And Tom old, Brady. But yeah. Those are my four. If it's for one year, yeah. Those, uh, are, those are my those four. Those are the four I'd pay next year. I'd agree with you. That's it. There's others that are really good. You're leaving out Drew Locke here. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Take a drink. <laughs> I'm going to. We'll wind down Monday next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Couple more thoughts on Cam Newton to New England. Great stuff from Charlie McBride. Mondays with Charlie. Matt Verzel to Taco Line. And uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, had a special guest, uh, Dave Smale, was on. He's got a new book coming out on the Chiefs, their history, and the addition of Patrick Mahomes. Tomorrow, YouTube Tuesday, we will relive the 92 Colorado game, the Halloween night affair that is legendary. Some of you were at, that many of us remember, some of us don't remember, and the demolition that was Colorado, Nebraska, former Nebraska defensive line coach, John Perella going to be with us tomorrow. So we'll talk to, to Mr. Perella and uh, Mitch Sherman will join us. We have a, I have a short week. I have uh, tomorrow and then Wednesday. Then I am going to chase the golf ball around Thursday while there's a best of going. And then I'm off for the holiday. No uh, Hail Varsity weekend. And then you and uh, Mr. Damon. Running the show Monday. Going to be doing the Monday thing next week. So, yeah, I get a little bit of a breather. Really fast. Speaking of that Colorado game, remember like, I had been back in middle school for me. I stopped into an antique store, antique store by my house mm-hmm. one time, and they had a piece of the goalpost from that game. Oh, really? In there, yeah. They're charging forty Dude, bucks for that. Well, I'm like, if they ever tear down the goalpost, there's some guy in a bunny suit that was on the middle bar of the goalpost, mm-hmm. and it was this weird mist that came down. It was, it looked colder than it was. There was rainfall. And it was Halloween night, so people were out for blood because they were sick of losing or tying Colorado. Mm-hmm. And it had been since 88. And Perella and Trev Alberts and, Tra- and Travis Hill and Mike Anderson and Baron Miles and, I mean, and Kenny Wilhite. I mean, they just absolutely unloaded on 
Coy Detmer and Cordell Stewart, and it was uh, Tommy Frazier's second start. That was actually one of the games I, I sat down and watched during quarantine. Yeah, uh, that was one of the games How, that you know, was. I mean, and then and Calvin Jones went off, and you 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 just could hear like a different animal in that crowd. I mean, especially the first play of the game was an interception, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. yeah. And it was a roar of the crowd that I just like, well, and, you and, don't hear anymore. And Perella's story is unique because he was an incredible player out of Grand Island Northwest. Mm-hmm. And he had verbally committed to go play at Colorado. Oh. Like late, yeah, late 80s. And then things got shifted around and they jerked him around and he ended up having to walk on at Nebraska. Things worked out for him, didn't they? No, I, he, yeah, he was incredible. And then, you know, 13 years in the NFL, I mean, is as good as there was at, at nose guard. I mean, it was phenomenal. Think about those those years in Oakland and in San Diego. So, Prowl is awesome. Uh, good to get caught up with him tomorrow. So, we are out of time, but more on, can we squeeze in Shefty or not? Uh, which one do you want? We want cut uh, three. Cut three. No. No. <laughs> Bottom line, it's a prove-it year. It's a prove-it year for, for Cam. It's a prove-it year for Belichick. And this this is so New England-esque, isn't it? Maybe we'll try and run Russ Hochstein on Wednesday. Mm. Get his take on this. I mean, it, you've got to be a different quarterback to be in the New England system. We haven't seen a quarterback in that system in, what, almost 20 years? A new quarterback there? So mm. how exciting is this? And it's Cam Newton. I'm excited. No, Cam will be fun. Belichick will no doubt be smiling about this. Back at you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. Check the podcast out, halevarsity.com, or get to iTunes, ESPNLincoln.com, for all the on-demand.